Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It's time, it's time for the Draft Dudes Podcast. What's better than this? Your hosts, the Draft Dudes themselves and co-founders of the Draft Network, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino. Guys being dudes on the Draft Dudes Podcast. And it starts now. What's better than this? Guys being dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast. It's Joe Marino and Chris Schubert. We're your hosts here on the podcast. Kyle Krabs' attendance streak snapped. Over. Get him out. It's over. Chris Schubert, the one pulling double duty today, co-hosting and producing this thing. Welcome, everybody. We are brought to you by BetOnline, the number one spot for all your sports wagering information. They've got it all, the NFL, NBA, NHL, golf, tennis, boxing, esports, you name it. You can find it over at Bet Online on a super easy to navigate website that you can find on your desktop or your mobile device. They've got live betting, free contests, live scores, and giveaways all season long. So head to betonline.ag to join, and you'll get a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE to get started. That's B L E A V. It's Bet Online, and it's where the game starts. Christopher Schubert, happy, <laughs> happy National French Toast Day to you. See, what happens there, and the, and listeners of this program don't know, Joe has a list of days that he goes off of, and that was what we in the business referred to as he called an audible in real time. He didn't. He was going to go in a different direction with the day, and then he pivoted to National French Toast Day. Not a fan, Joseph. Not a French mm. toast guy. Really? Who doesn't yeah, like French toast? toast, toast you? Don't like waffles, don't like pancakes, don't oh. like French toast. Not a fan of any of those. I guess I shouldn't be surprised, Christopher P. Schubert. Yeah, not surprised. Uh, dudes, you have a mock draft that we get to talk about here on yeah. the show today. Lots of fun to be had. I'm filling in for Kyle, so I have dudes, and which is great because I actually had a listener reach out and say, if this guy isn't a dude, what are we doing? Well, guess oh, wow. what? I, I can now take up the baton and represent that dude because I needed another college dude to fill out my group this week. And so he's going to get the recognition he deserves. So it should be a good time. I got three dudes. You got three dudes. Let's do it. I know, man. So I came into today with two college, one pro. And we are recording this literally right after the conclusion of the Raiders overtime win over Seattle. And, and I got to tell you. Josh Jacobs wasn't one of my guys. Was he the uh, the guy that uh, what they were pleading for? He is not. It was a college player that was being, oh, pleaded, you said, being pleaded yeah. for. That's going to get in there, and we'll talk about him when I get a chance to talk. You can go first, Joe. You got two college dudes and one pro dude here for this week. Yeah, what well, do, do want a quick my shout out? Thirty two carries, six catches, eighty six yard walk off touchdown, three hundred three total yards for Josh Jacobs in this overtime win. When there was some doubt that he was going to play. Chris, I have Josh Jacobs on my fantasy team. I was scrambling this morning trying to find Amir Abdullah in case I had to play him. I stuck to my guns, though. We had Josh Jacobs in the lineup, and we prospered. But uh, there's the honorary dude that actually doesn't count. I'll give you my first one here. Uh, We'll go to the college side of things. I want to claim Donovan Edwards, Michigan running back, is one of my dudes. 45-23 to win over Ohio State. We know everything was on the line in this ballgame, a berth in the Big Ten Championship, which gets you to the college football playoffs. If you lose, you need help. 
Donovan Edwards made sure that the Michigan Wolverines did not lose this game. And I felt like, Chris, all week long, all we're hearing about is Blake Corum. Blake Corm, can he play? Can he play the the buildup? The last things that the pregame show is talking about is Blake Corm. Well, Blake Corm plays. Two carries for six yards. You knew he wasn't right. They handed the baton to Donovan Edwards, who went on to have 22 carries for 216 yards, two touchdowns. Those two fourth quarter runs were outstanding. Touchdown runs in the fourth quarter of 75 yards and 85 yards. Now, prior to that 75 yard fourth quarter touchdown run, that was a one-score goal, one-score ball game, 31 to 23. Donovan Edwards broke that game open and he put his foot on the throat of the Buckeyes, got the dub, and right now Ohio State is in scramble mode. There's fans out there calling for Ryan Day's head. It's crazy, it's nonsense, but look at Jim, they said the same thing about Harbaugh, right? For the longest time, well Harbaugh's got a little streak going here and a lot of that's due to Donovan Edwards. Well, it was because of his performance in this game in particular, right? Over the course of the early part of his Michigan tenure, this game was the game that had gotten away from him, that had stopped Michigan from being a perennial college football playoff team. And he's got a good team this year, has depth. It's getting good quarterback play when he needs it, and he gets the big win to go to the Big Ten championship game. And, Joe, they control their own destiny. They win yep. the Big Ten title game. They're in. They will be one of the final four uh, playing for a, the college football championship. And uh, kudos to him because they were trying to run him out when – he was at the beginning of that Michigan tenure, and it maybe wasn't going to the top of what they expected, right? They were still competitive year in and year out. They were still in the mix, but they just weren't able to get over that hump. He's starting to get them over that hump, and he was able to kind of survive some of that noise, some foolish noise in a lot of ways, and he has been a, a steady hand for them at Michigan. And so uh, I'm excited to see uh, what they're able to do, what kind of noise they're able to make in the college football playoff, if they are to get there with a win in the Big Ten title game. Would you like me to go with my first Yeah, dude? go ahead and let's get your next win. It's a combo, dude. It's a combo dude, quarterback, wide receiver, combination, connection. And it is a mid-major, a Sun Belt team, because our James Madison Dukes beat my <laughs> Coastal Carolina Chanticleers 47-7, to and they did so because of their quarterback, Todd Centejo. Five total touchdowns, four touchdowns in the air, one touchdown on the ground, and oh, by the way, his top receiver, the other part of this combo dude, Devin Ravenel. Five catches, 102 yards, and two touchdowns. Our James Madison Dukes, who are not eligible, they cannot participate in a championship game. They cannot participate in a bowl game. Our James Madison Dukes with a 47-7 to win over the Coastal Carolina Chanticleers. We had to shout out a mid-major, had to shout out James Madison. There's my first dude of the week. Way to stay on brand there, Chris, but you know what really pisses me off even more about this whole James Madison's not bowl eligible and championship eligible is that we actually have to finesse two five and seven teams to to go to bowl games this year to fill them out and we can't get james madison in there but we're gonna we're gonna come on man come on right J coastal carolina who lost this game right coastal carolina lost this game so is six and two in the conference has a head-to-head -head record the same as james madison so the tie goes to james madison they are i believe they are going to get to play in the sunbelt championship yeah. against troy who's in the other division and james madison gets to sit at home Absolutely we got to do something about this. Yeah. This is ridiculous. You punish a team for going up a level and over and over exceeding, overachieving. Come on, it's ridiculous. Meanwhile, you're rewarding teams that underachieved and now get to play in a bowl game. Garbage. What wasn't garbage and what isn't garbage is what my next dude has accomplished. I'm going to a head coach here, and that's Oregon State head coach Jonathan Smith. What a fun 
ball game that was to watch. I'll tell you what, as a non, I don't have a rooting interest in college football. And I love that because you could just watch games like this and not care who wins. And so I'm sure there's a lot of very sad Oregon Ducks fans out there, uh, especially our guy, Brentley Weissman. But you can't help but be impressed by what Jonathan Smith accomplished in this game and what he's accomplished this season at Oregon State. This was a 31 to 10 ball game. Oregon leading with under five minutes left in the third quarter. And then the Beavers came roaring back. They won the game 38 to 34. They outscored Oregon 28 to 3 over the last 20 minutes of the game, including scoring the final 21 points of the ball game. And when, the way that they did it was unfathomable. Typically, if you're talking about this type of comeback this late in the game, surely it included a bunch of dynamic throws and plays in the passing game. Nope. This was a completely one-dimensional Beavers team on offense. Their quarterback was 6 of 13 for 60 yards and two interceptions for the game. It came down to big plays on special teams, big plays on defense, running the football. They found a way to win the Civil War. And this really just kind of ties a ribbon on a great season for Oregon State. They're going to be ranked this year for the first time at the end of the season uh, since 2012. They're 9-3 and three right now. They're 6-3 and three in the Pac-12. They haven't won six conference games since 2012 in one season, and they're in position to have their first 10-win season since 2006. There's been a lot of coaches that have come through Oregon State. None of them have found the success like Jonathan Smith has, and I think really just the, the, the arrow is pointing up for the Beavers under head coach Jonathan Smith. Love the Pac-12 shout-out there, Joseph. Appreciate the Pac-12 getting some love. I'm going to give the Big 12 some love. And you may say, oh, Chris, you're going to give TCU some love. Max Duggan, Kendra Miller, that's kind of your brand. No, I'm not going to do that. Oh, Chris, you're going to give B. John Robinson some love. Had a very good game. No, because Lewis reached out to me and said, Chris, you are the best at speaking for the unknowns. You are the best at speaking for those that deserve love, that don't get love on the show. And if this performance doesn't get the love on the show, what are we even doing here? And you know what, Lewis? You are absolutely correct. Yeah, it was in a loss. Yeah, they lost to Texas Tech 51-48. to But you bet your bottom dollar we're talking about Dylan Gabriel going for 449 passing yards and six touchdowns in a Big 12 game. If that doesn't get you here as a dude, you lay it out on the field, on the line. This guy's been through it all. Transfers here at Oklahoma. Goes for six tutties. It ain't his fault that they lost. It ain't his fault that their defense gave up 51 to Texas Tech. Almost 450 passing yards and six touchdowns for an Oklahoma team that's having a disappointing year. Six and six in, in Venable's first year there. But you know what? That doesn't mean we can't reward some big-time performances. And Dylan Gabriel had a big-time performance. So he is my second college dude of the weekend. Man, how do you think Sooners fans are feeling right now? They're probably not very happy. Man, especially because they didn't have a pulse on defense all year, right? And you that's kind of that their coach's be... calling, right? That's yeah. where we're supposed to excel. We're supposed to be better at that than we have been, and we were worse. Man. All right, we'll see. Nobody, I mean, look, everybody gets time, but like that wasn't a situation to step into and like have this type of a regression. But, well, here's the other thing, Joe. Pretty, They're going to lose their quarterback. Mm-hmm. They're gonna lose Eric Gray. They're gonna lose. They're gonna they lose Mims. Mims, multiple offensive linemen potentially. So it's like we have we we have to turn over on offense a bunch of talent, and we have a defense that's not very good. Like that's the worst kind of scenario yeah. for Venables. That's not very good. And he waited for the like this he job. He waited. He could have picked any job in the country. Any including job, including Kansas the, State. His alma mater. 
he had the clout to take any job in the right. country with what he did at Clemson. The clout to pick any job he wanted. And he waited for this one. Meanwhile, Lincoln Riley's one win against Utah away from going to the college football playoffs, right? I mean, Joe, he has USC back to the level that they were under Pete Carroll. The uh, buzz, and, the excitement around the program. And what I think I would be excited about most if I was a USC fan is the California recruits aren't going to leave. I can't tell you how many times I'm studying a player at Clemson or somewhere in Florida, Alabama. Where'd they come from? California? Clemson got their first ever recruit from the state of California ever, like four years ago. Joe, One of those receivers. It was an emphasis of the two Arizona schools. They they saw California as a place they could invade and get talent. They put an emphasis on the on that state. They said we can go in there with our with our coaches with our pedigree and get those kids to come here because they're yeah. going to get playing time. They're still going to be in the Pac-12. That's how California was viewed by everybody else for the longest time. And I think Lincoln Riley's changing that. And you know what, Joe? I think Chip Kelly's changing yeah, that. You're doing well too. Yeah. I mean, you have two big time programs that are not going to be in the Pac-12 for very much longer, but they are going to put California on the map. And I think those recruits are going to stay. So we have championship weekend coming up and, and look, we'll talk. I'm sure we'll get into it at some point this week on the podcast. Weekly watch. It's not, Thursday. it's not as simple as Georgia wins, TCU wins, Michigan wins, USC wins. And we have our teams. It's never it that never, simple, right? It never goes that way, Joe. Never goes that way. But you kind of feel like it could. Right? Certainly could. <laughs> but I, we know it's not going to happen. Somebody's going to lose, and then we're going to have the debate of who's going to be the four seed. All right, my last dude. And I, I feel bad. I wanted to pick a, somebody from South Carolina for that big win over Clemson, but I gave I gave their fl- them flowers last week for what they did to Tennessee. I want to go to the NFL for a guy here. And uh, you stayed on brand with your um, – mid-major quarterback wide receiver tandem i'm gonna stay on brand here and give you a special teams player how about this vikings kick returner kenna wangu christopher thanksgiving night right we're watching this ball game pretty good ball game here's some stats for you about the patriots in this game who played really really well on offense they scored 25 points let me take this back Let let me let me run this back and get the get it better for you Okay. I'm going to give you some things that are true about the Patriots in their performance on Thursday night. And keeping in mind, all of these variables mixed together, when all of this was true in the NFL, since the Super Bowl era, teams that had all of these things true about their performance were 170-0 entering that game. If you scored at least 25 points, if you had at least 400 yards of offense, if you outgained your opponent, if you completed at least 70% of your passes, you had under 60 penalty yards, you had no turnovers, you had no missed field goals, you were 170 and 0 in the National Football League. Now they're 170 and 1. And what was the difference? How did Minnesota win that game? What was that X factor? Kenna Wangu and a 97 yard kick return for a touchdown. The first given up by the New England Patriots since 2010. We had some really weird things come together for this to happen, right? And that's how it happens, right? And and, and Wangu has been a player that I've really respected as a returner. Had a couple of a return for a touchdown last year, and he's had some big moments again this year. I think he's one of those guys that you hold your breath and you really think about not giving him any chances in the return game. But th- this 97-yard kick return for a touchdown came at a big point in the game. The Pats had done their 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 double dip that they love to do. They got points going into 
the half. They got the ball first coming up, so they tied the, the, the game going into the half. They come out of the half. They took the lead with an opening drive possession in the second half, kicked it off to Wangu, Tutty, and it was all part of a very historic pot of variables that mixed together and gave the Patriots a loss for the first time in 170 instances when all of those variables were true. Joseph, special teams giveth, special teams taketh away. And the New England Patriots won a game a week ago because of special teams, <laughs> yeah. because of the first punt return touchdown of the season when they beat the Jets. Special teams taketh away here uh, against the Vikings on Thursday night. And listen, another thing happened in that game. The potential curse of primetime Kirk is over. You see his right. stat line from this game? Yes. It's a big it's time game from him. Yeah. yeah. This Vikings team's interesting, man. I look They're, at the schedule, and yeah. they, other than the Buffalo game where some breaks went their way, the big games that they've played, they've struggled, right? Yeah. They lose to the Eagles well, in week they got two. killed, too, by the Eagles and the Cowboys. Right. So in both of those games, they were non-competitive. And right. so you have to scrape a win against the, the Bills. You have to struggle here against the Pats and be on the other end of something historic. Like, they're just a weird team to kind of figure out. But their record says they're one of the best teams in all of yep. football. And so you got to start treating them that way. Uh, so, yeah, kudos to you for, for going off the wall there with a, with a dude. I mean, Joseph, did, did you really think we were going to get no, here I, listen, to this point of the show? Go off, my, King. Go off. My NFL dude wasn't going to be my quarterback, Mike White. Are you kidding me with this performance? Because My and, quarterback, he said. My quarter, well, he's my quarterback, and he's going to be my quarterback for the remainder of the season. And here's what I find so welcoming about this performance. They make the change at quarterback, and everybody, rightly so, says, man, if we can get the Mike White that beat Cincinnati. Those are the expectations, that Mike White can, can channel something from week eight a year ago. And then he got hurt the following week, and then he threw the multiple picks against Buffalo. So it's like, okay, all the pressure in the world to be the steady hand at quarterback. All the pressure in the world to come in there against a team you absolutely have to beat. You have to beat the Bears at home. You have to wipe the floor with them. You have to be the better team for all four quarters. That's what you have to do. That's what the expectation is. You're home. You've now taken over. You're supposed to be the savior of this season. All of that pressure heaped on this guy, what does he do? Just goes out there, calm, cool, collected, 315 yards, three touchdowns. He had three touchdowns in this game, Joe. He is one away from matching what Zach Wilson had done the entirety of his 2022 regular season. That's how good Mike White was today. It was simple. It was easy. He took everything that was in front of him. Elijah Moore had a big game. Garrett Wilson had a big game. You and I talk about it all the time. The, the system is what the system is. Mm -hmm. Mike White knows how to run the system. And when Mike White's able to run the system, this system is open. This system has concepts that get guys open. There's space. There's opportunities to get the ball into your playmakers' hands and allow them to make plays. And Mike White just trusted his guys. Made some big-time throws. Put some balls into some tight windows where I was like, okay, Mike White's feeling it today. But he at home in a game that they absolutely have to have. If they want to be a playoff team, there are three games they had to have. Buffalo, they ha uh, excuse me, Chicago, they have to beat. Um, Detroit at home, they have to beat Jacksonville at home, and I think they have to split their next two against Minnesota and Buffalo. That was why Buffalo was on my mind in order to make the playoffs. I think they have to get to 10, and that's the way that they can get to 10. That's how the math is probably going to work for them. So they needed this one, and they needed this one in a convincing way. The defense was a little shaky in the first half. Mike White says, don't worry, guys. I got you. We'll take care of business. And he was a leader yesterday uh, in, in, that, in that football game. So credit to him. Big-time performance, and I, I see no reason that he's not going to be the starter of the remainder of the season. What did uh, Coach Salas say after the game? He said he made it look easy. He made easy look easy. That's the quote. He made Man. easy look easy. And if that is not an indictment on Zach Ooh. Wilson, I have not heard a better indictment of, of Zach Wilson than telling us that Mike White made easy look easy yesterday in that game. And again, you take care of business against a shorthanded Bears team, whichever see me in a quarterback, but you do what you have to do. In this league, wins are hard to come by. You have to beat the teams you're supposed to beat. The Jets did that yesterday. 
I feel like you've complicated their path a little bit. Like you win Detroit and Jacksonville at home. That gets you that gets you to nine. And then one of Minnesota, Buffalo, and let's not forget Miami, like you yeah, just think, need one of those three. That gets I think you going, to ten. I think going to Seattle is probably the most winnable game outside of the games we've already mentioned. You need one of those four. I didn't even see Seattle. Yeah, they have you need at, one at, of Minnesota, Buffalo, Seattle and Miami, in addition to Jacksonville. Assuming you beat Detroit and Jacksonville, right? You, now, I don't. I don't. You should. They're both home. Just games. win three games. Go three and three. Go three and three. That's it. Go three and three. The rest of the way, you're a ten-win football team, and I think that gets you in in the in the AFC. It might not, but I think three and three gives you an opportunity. And so that's the math. That's the math. That's the way it works for me. When was the last? When was the last time the Jets won seven games? The you know what I mean? The Jets won seven games <laughs> right. a while ago. It's been I a mean, very long time, Joseph. <laughs> so- there's a, there, this has been a successful season for the Jets in a number of ways, including, I think, getting some clarity on their quarterback. And even if it's bad clarity, right, they've, they've got a foundation elsewhere. They're going to get players back next year. And, and look, they're, they're very much in it. I think the worst thing you can have as a quarterback, I, I, I would disagree with the term bla- bad clarity. I think any clarity that you can get on that position in particular is good clarity because it allows you to be able to make a, a confident, informed decision about your future. The worst place to be is in quarterback purgatory. The worst place to be is it be in between and not know. I think the Jets know. I think the Jets benching Zach Wilson, I think they've made it very clear that they know what, what, what the Is he on the roster next is. year? Is he on the roster? I think he has to be. His value doesn't get any lower and who's going to take on the, that money. That's a good point. Um, you say that, but we saw somebody trade for Sam Darnold. Yeah. This stuff happens. It does. It somebody does. traded and for Baker Mayfield. Yeah. Same I mean, team somebody, did both times. Call Carolina. Somebody somebody could do it. I just if if I was a betting man right now, I would bet that Zach Wilson is on the roster. Not as the starter, but he's on right. the roster in twenty twenty three. It's going to be fascinating to uh, to see how that all plays out. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I think we all wish that life came with a user manual, but unfortunately, it doesn't. So when it's not working for you, it's normal for you to feel stuck. Navigating any of life's challenges can make you feel unsure, whether that's a career change, a new relationship, or becoming a parent. Therapists are trained to help you figure out the cause of challenging emotions and learn productive coping skills, which makes therapy the closest thing to a guided tour of the complex engine called you. And there are broader benefits of therapy, whether it's coping skills, self-empowerment, dealing with trauma. As the world's largest therapy service, BetterHelp has matched 3 million people with professionally licensed and vetted therapists available 100% online. Plus, it's affordable. All you got to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to match with the therapist. If things aren't clicking, you could easily switch to a new therapist anytime. It couldn't be simpler. No waiting rooms, no traffic, no endless searching for the right therapist. Learn more and save 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash draft dudes. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash draft dudes um all right so i wrote a mock draft <laughs> you d- you wrote a mock draft that delayed the start of the recording because of the raiders <laughs> seattle game changed right. the the order massive implications on the outcome of that Raiders. whoa whoa yeah. i just whoa. saw it for the first time i just okay. saw this mock for the first time oh well shall we talk sure. about it i'm put whatever you want to get into it's uh i'm yours um i wrote this thing I mean, I hate to spoil the entire draft for everyone that's going to happen at the end of next April, won't. but we won't. Oh, you? Oh, this? Oh, you, but you? You think this is it? You think? Yeah, this yeah, is, this is it. Wow. So, yeah. Did we? Did we tell the league? Maybe we should tell the league. Well, I don't want to ruin everything for everyone, so. So we're gonna go through. Wow, there's some shockers in here. Holy. Really? Smoke, just, okay, I didn't think any of this was shocking. So, what do you think is shocking, and how can I justify myself? 
No, I don't think you need to justify it. I would love to start with pick number six. That's where I'd like to start. All right. You have William Levis, the quarterback from Kentucky, coming off the board at number six. Yes. That means he's he's your QB two in this scenario. Will Levis, yep. William Levis, who's yep. not had a good season, has struggled, has, got, has all the tools in the world. He has struggled. You still have him as a top 10 selection. You have, as a, you have him as a top six yeah. selection to a team that really hasn't gotten the quarterback position right. You take potentially the riskiest prospect of the group in terms of production from this year translating over. Now, you and I have had this conversation, and I don't know if we've had it on air. Oh, we did because we did it on Takes on Takes, where mm-hmm. you said that you think Levis and Richardson probably will have better pro careers than Young and Stroud, while Young and Stroud might have better college careers than those guys have college careers. We've talked about this, but I would love your thoughts on Will Levis being QB2 and the comfortability of saying, you know what? Yeah, here in the top six, I'm still going to take. Well, first of all, let me let me blow your mind a little bit more. Uh, when I originally wrote this mock draft before the games, the Panthers were picking two, and I had the Panthers picking Will Levis, Will Levis at two. And Whoa. Yeah, so the reason I did this is the Charlotte Observer reported, and I'm going to give you an exact quote from an article about Will Levis to the Carolina Panthers and said, uh, this is actually, if the season ended today, the Panthers would pick second in the draft. According to a source with direct knowledge of the situation, Tepper entered the season with eyes for Levis. Here's the quote from a league source through the Charlotte Observer. Tepper just sees football differently. He isn't going to pay for a Deshaun Watson. He will try to win with a quarterback on a rookie contract. He wants Will Levis. Now, the caveat here was that was before Levis played in 2022, but they go on to say that a source familiar with the team's thinking said that um, you know that they think that this could still be where, the direction that they want to go. So there's only one thing that I could see muddying that water, Joe. Yeah, the new head coaching hire. Of course. How much influence is that person going to have? They should have influence, but that, that wasn't the question. <laughs> How much influence will they have? If they have big, strong influence, they might be able to sway Tepper off of Levis if he's still hung up on Levis. That's got to be part like of the interview process, right? Part of the, like, What do you think of these quarterbacks? What, what, what would your plan be, right? Right, but now are, you, now are you getting into a confirmation bias area where you're only going to take a coach that Probably. wants Levis? Probably. See, see, then to me, I'm out on the Carolina Panthers. I'm out. Sure, that's process. fine. But the per- the the reason for giving them Levis is I wanted to live in this world where this was Tepper's guy. And what does that look like? How does that impact the landscape of the draft? That's fair. I'm not taking a shot at you. I'm just yeah. I'm no, just I get discussing it. Discussing the 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 story because I would be I would be all the way out on the Panthers if their process was we're only going to hire a coach that likes the quarterback that our owner likes. I hate that. I hate that for so many reasons. Well, now they also didn't say that in the story. That was me kind of like, okay, this will be part of the process. I'd want to hear it. Like, even if I hadn't had some type of a, a preference or a lean, if I were David Tepper and I was the owner of the Panthers and I would took and inherited the team today in its current state, part of my coaching hire interviews would be, what do you want to do? What do you want us to do at quarterback? Who do you like? What, what, you know, I'd want to find out. We're just gonna mock. We're just gonna mock Tyree Wilson to the Seahawks from now until the end of time. Yeah. Funny thing is, <laughs> in the initial iterations of this mock draft, that wasn't the case. <laughs> but as, but as the results rolled in, bit. the order changed. It, it's it's just one of those players to teams that you just it makes sense, right? They like the toolsy defensive linemen. They have a need on their defensive line. Tyree um, Wilson's also a good player. 
he's a good player. Yeah, he's going to go in this range. So, like, there's just a lot of things that add up here to to make it logical. Um, the thing what's hard about Seattle is is you would love to go offensive line, but they got their two tackles last year. I'm not giving mm-hmm. them an interior guy, you know, in the top ten. Let's address uh, another need, right? We got our two corners and our two tackles in last year's draft. Right. Let's get something else. Sure. And what's fun for me is is I think we got into this in the mock draft we did last week where wide receiver is a fun idea for them. But not at, at four. four? Yeah, <laughs> you know, a little so, rich. I, I can't. Is Marvin Harrison like, in this draft? Because if well, so, right. it's a different story. Right. My friend Joe Marino said Atlanta Falcons at number 15, we're going to give you a running back. We're going to give you a B. John Robinson. I yeah. love this. You giving a running back inside the top 15. Well, I mean, Bijan Robinson's been in my top three for every big board update that I've had since my first one for this cycle. I, I think he's a blue chip talent. And for a team like Atlanta, like he's not going to make sense for a lot of teams. But for a team like Atlanta, Arthur Schmidt's offense, kind of relying on that bell cow, you get that in Bijan. And he's truly a, a three down player. And I feel like for the Falcons to be what they want to be under Arthur Smith, they're going to need a back like this. And I thought about a receiver. Um, I thought about help on defense. There's certainly a lot of directions they can go, but I don't think there's a back like Bijan in this class and, and you might as well get him right now. And so they picked a tight end at number four and surpassed quarterbacks. Like I'm not exactly sure that they care about premium positions. So I, I think that this was a logical marriage um, in the first round. I'd love to talk about the quarterbacks as a whole. If you're comfortable with it, you have Bryce going number one. You have yeah. Will going number six, like we've already talked about. I think the other two that are interesting, you have C.J. Stroud going to the Colts. So the Colts at 14 is, continues to be a popular landing spot for a quarterback for obvious reasons. But I think the surprise, and I think this is going to depend on who does the mock and, and, and what their thought process is on these different quarterbacks, you snuck in a fourth QB. You put Anthony Richardson to the Giants at 24. So you got a fourth QB in there. You bet on the tools of Anthony Richardson. You bet on him being the guy that the Giants would be very interested in. So I guess the updated thought process that you have on multiple quarterbacks after the big three getting into the first round. Well, yeah, I, so I would love to – I want to talk about Richardson, but first, can I go back to the first quarterback, Bryce of Young going you to the Texans at one? That's hard for me, Chris. I mean, this Texans team is two years away from being two years away, it seems like, man. It's rough. That's going to lose you a bet. If they're two years away from being two years away, that's going to lose you a bet. Well, putting that aside, just objectively looking at this Texans team, it's just it's rough, man. They don't feel like they're competitive. I'm watching watching them play. I, I, I said I'd watch them the Texans and Dolphins game until it got out of hand, and it didn't take long for it to get out of hand, and I moved on. Um, but they just don't feel like they have a pulse, right? Like, I don't, what do they have? What, what's good on the team? What, who are the building blocks? Damian Pierce. Okay. Derek Stingley. I, I mean, you asked the question. I'm trying to, help. no, I, I mean, it's not, it's not your responsibility to answer it, but like, just like literally this is, this is the direction I fear the Rams are headed. They gave up a bunch of draft capital to trade, you know, trade four players yeah, but they and depleted their assets Bowl. and look at where they are right now. It's a dumpster fire, man. Like it's been two years in a row where we've looked at this roster and said, this feels like an expansion team. When does that change? Is it, it's, you can't tell me it's one more off season. I just don't, I just don't like anything about this team right now. And I am concerned about, 
any quarterback going to Houston. Not set up for success from an infrastructure They're just not. They're probably going to have a new head coach next year. Right? We assume. <sighs> They're going to be one and done with back-to-back coaches. Okay. But So, Joe, go with me for a second. Just because you, you, went, you went down this rabbit hole. Do they, if they pivot back and they go for Josh McCown, like they were going to do this past offseason, I want all of the quarterbacks as far away from that situation as humanly possible. Josh McCown has never done it before. First year head coach. That's what I said about that roster. That's it. I want that. And you bring, you bring him up as an example. Trevor Lawrence lost an entire year of development because he was stuck with Urban Meyer. I, if, if they make a change in head coach and they go with Josh McCown, I want them to trade out of that spot badly. We talked about we talked about internally a couple years ago the Jets trading out of three because they weren't ready, quote unquote, to take a quarterback. Yeah. If they weren't ready, what are the Texans? Right. You feel like responsibly they should do that? Trade way the hell out of there. Get yourself a let Minshew. Carolina come up. Let Vegas come up. Sure. Let let Detroit try to move up. Let Indy yeah. try to move up. I'm just thinking of teams that could potentially be in the mix for a quarterback. Let any of those teams try to move up. Dude, trade out of one. You still have a pick right now, 10 in this in this version of the mock draft. You pick up another one next year. Now you're now we're cooking with gas. Now we're now we've got some options here. They're gonna have to find meaningful veterans, though. You can't just have this entire team of first and second year players. So that's going to be the the challenge ahead for Nick Casario is to kind of balance it out and get veterans in every position room and and man it's it's just they got an uphill climb and so I I say all that to say that I hated mocking Bryce to Houston because I just don't know how he's going to succeed there. But at the and same time, could be any quarterback. Put any right, quarterback yeah yeah it's not spot. it's not a Bryce thing. What I do what I do like about Bryce there is one of the best things about Bryce leadership, playmaking instincts, accuracy. Like he has a good makeup. But, geez, man, that's a tough ask for any quarterback. Uh, Anthony Richardson was the the interesting one. I gave him to the Giants at 24. Um, I, I can see them taking a swing. I can. I mean, Joe Shane, Brian Dayball, I always say this, and it's not just because it's Joe Shane and Brian Dayball, but when you get an opportunity to become a GM or become a head coach, you're going to look at the stuff that made you successful at your previous place and try to replicate that, right? That's what's comfortable. That's what got you there. And what got Joe Shane and Brian Dable the opportunity that they did was Josh Allen, right? And, and the risk that Buffalo took to go get him and the way that they developed their things around him and took a really raw, objectively pretty bad college quarterback and turned him into an NFL superstar. I am not promising the same for Anthony Richardson, but I don't think it's crazy to think that the Giants are the team that could take that type of swing. Now, that's a tough ask in New York and all that, the market, the media, all, all, I get all that. But if there's a team that I have a level of confidence that could get the most out of Richardson, and if they, you, you get it, if you if you hit on Richardson, he has a chance to be one of those problem quarterbacks, right? Ones that other teams will want to play that just have all the stuff, all the tools necessary to be a dynamic playmaker. I think he can do that, but it's going to take some development. I think that Dable and Shane can can really unlock that. Um, so that's just – I don't know that if, if, if it wasn't the Giants, I don't know if I'd have a spot for him in the first round. But the Giants, 24 – Felt like a worthwhile swing. A couple things there, Joe. I, I can think of multiple examples when you said it of of new coaches going to their new environments and replicating what they did in their previous regime. It's exactly what Arthur Smith is trying to do in Atlanta right now. It's exactly what all of the 
Shanahan disciples are doing, yep. Mike McDaniel in Miami, Robert Sala in, San, in New York. All of them are leaning on what they did in San Francisco. So this is the way it works. You, you take what you know, you take what you've learned, and, and you, you put it out there. The other thing, too, Joe, I don't know if you've seen the Giants' schedule. We talked about this Two Truths to Lie on Friday. Mm-hmm. This team might slip off the board a little bit. They're picking 24 right now. Yeah. I don't know how many more wins are going to be available to them because they're starting to get the injury bugs really starting to hit them. They're not playing well, right? All of the breaks that were going their way in the first yeah. half of the season yeah. aren't going their way now, and things are kind of starting to balance out for them. And so they might be further up the board, which if a quarterback starts to fall to them, they, they might be in prime position to strike yeah. one of the other three. So. Well, they have a decision to make regardless, right? Daniel Jones is an expiring contract. They got to figure something out. Well, he's coming back. Well, you said that with a lot of confidence. You think you think they're just going to walk into the offseason with nobody at quarterback? I, I think that this year's quarterback cycle could be really, really compelling. You know how I feel. Yeah. Go sign Tyler Huntley. You know that that's been something I've championed for a while. That, that that that's what teams should do. You want you want a young quarterback to try to build to pair with a with a with a quarterback in the draft. Go get Tyler Huntley. But I just don't know what team's appetite for that's going to be. C- can the Giants bring back Daniel Jones on some, you know, two year team option for the second year, you know, type deal? Two, and, and two then, year, thirty million dollars, fifteen million a season. Yeah, with the first year, first fifteen guaranteed or something Teams, like. Yeah, maybe that's possible, but the, that shouldn't take you out of a quarterback in the first round if you like one. Well, it shouldn't. But and let's I face won't. it, is Anthony Richardson ready to start for the Giants next year? That's a pretty big ask. But I'll say this, though. Year one of, of Joe Shane and Dable, it was a little different, right? They they were they were taking over a roster that was, that was pretty bare bones. They found some pieces here. So I wonder what that does to their psyche and their mindset, right? I'll be intrigued to see what kind of impact that has on how they operate moving forward. Um I'm trying to look at any other big takeaways that I'd like to have here. Uh, Jared Verse sneaking into the back end of the first round with the last pick, I think, is an interesting name that we haven't really discussed when it comes to mock drafts here all that much. So maybe we close with a conversation about him. Yeah, he's one of those guys that was on a short list of potential edge rushers for Philly at the end. I thought about Derek Hall as well from Auburn, but I, I wanted to drop a new name. And I think Verse has done everything he could this year to position himself to be in these types of conversations transferring from Albany where I mean he played like 15 games for Albany and had just unbelievable production he goes to the power five at Florida State and he's once again just showing that he's one of the most impactful defensive ends in the ACC and was really disruptive he's got a lot of quickness a lot of fluidity length Uh, you see that he's got a good pass rush plan he knows how to beat blocks I mean he's got that type of skill set that gets you excited about what he can be in the NFL. And so I think for a team like the Eagles, who they're loaded, right? But we know that their defensive line in particular is going to look a lot different next year. And in one of those spots, it's going to be at the edge. And, and I think Versa would give them a nice young player on a, on a cost control deal to be able to kind of build around moving forward. Joe, a 10 out of 10 mock from you. That's my grade for you here. Wow. 10 out of 10. What'd you hate? Give me some criticism. What don't you like? I mean, I don't love the Jets pick at twenty-two. It's a position of need, and I yeah. and I can respect that part of it. But it's not as it's not as flashy or splashy for me, you know. Yeah, you know what? The Jets have kind of fallen under, under that category of like tough to mock teams. They They're do. tough. They have it's, three. They have three major needs: offensive line, linebacker, and safety. Those are the three areas. Well, I of gave need. you one of those things. 
backs. And a quarterback. They probably need a quarterback, but I really don't think they're going to go this direction. No. They're not going to take a quarterback in the first round. I don't think. No, if you're the Jets, I think quarterback wise, you find the veteran that you want to align with, you know, on a modest deal. And, you know, they're a car, baby. It's got to be pretty good selling point. I mean, look, you'd have to give up something. You would give up pick 22 for him, wouldn't you? You you know my feelings on this. I would give up the first round pick for him. Absolutely. Does, Does that get it done? If you're the Raiders, it should. Really? Two first. What's you, your you, parallel you, there? What's the What's the uh the trade? What was the, what was the Stafford deal? They gave up two first rounds. They all this stuff. And, and Goff was in the deal as well, right? Yeah. So they had they Is it Drew Bledsoe to the Bills? Just a straight up first round pick. That was like I mean, a I 2000 I would like it to, like I would like that to be the case. I think when we talked about this last week you had your your eyes set on more of like a, uh, I said a two and Alex three. Smith trade. I said a two and a three. I said multiple day twos. Now I understand that it's probably going to take more than that, and I would be comfortable giving up a one and a three for him. I I think you call him up and, and offer him the first round pick. Why would the Raiders want? do it? Like what? So I I feel like every year we talk about the Raiders moving on from Carr. Like what's why? Well, they did win. They did win yesterday, so this kind of muddies my my point. But if it completely bottoms out. This is if there's a year to get out of the deal, it's this year. From a cash perspective, they have a like. Is it? Do you think it's because they're going to be picking high and they're going to be in position to get a new quarterback and that buys McDaniel's? I understand from McDaniel's perspective why you would want that. That gives him time. Yeah, but then, but then, then you open the can of worms if they're probably going to have to trade Adams. It's go. It, it feels unlikely, right? I say this, yeah, understanding yeah, this is that. More- it, romanticizing your dream than it is anything else. I'll I'll give you a perfect example, Joe. I think there's a better chance they could trade for Lamar Jackson than they can Derek Carr. Yeah. That's that, that ain't 22 ain't going to get you that. Right. But, but from a, from a, the other team perspective, how willing are they going to be to make the deal? Like I think Lamar is a better, a more realistic option than Derek Carr. And I don't think Lamar is very realistic. How much do they like Zach Wilson? They can't. Who who can like Zach Wilson with the way these? Oh, we can Galaxy Brain, Chris. It's November. We can have okay. fun here. Can we you can. package together Zach Wilson and multiple first round picks? I think it hurts the for deal. Lamar. I think Zach hurts in the a deal. tag and trade. You could, but is Lamar going to want to go there? Lamar's going to have his eyes set on Miami. Well, I think Miami's probably feeling okay about their quarterback right now. But think about this: Tua adds more value to a deal going back. I can give up one less first if I send Tua back to Baltimore. Why would you, if you're Miami, why would you be interested in that? Because it's Lamar freaking Jackson. Okay. But right now you're getting like top, top shelf quarterback production out of Tua. This guy's got guys wide open in the middle of the field every time, man. It's true. He does. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Wide open. Wide ass wide open. open. Just. Could, but here's what it is. I, I don't think it's like it's not that's not a slight on Tua. The reason it happens is they've got great speed. They got okay, they got great architecture, first of all, right? They know how to hold defenders and put their fast guys in situations where they're running away from people and they get to their spots extremely quick. And you have Tua who's just unbelievable with ball handling and his ability to kind of like set his platform and, and, and get the ball out quick. Like you can't slow play anything against Miami, or else you're gonna be in trouble. And right, that puts a lot add, of stress on you. You add all those things with Lamar Jackson's ability. Yeah, but I is can, does, is I, Lam- I don't think Lamar's the quick triggered guy that Tua is. I don't think that offense. 
in the pass in the passing game, that team is not better with Lamar. In the run game, they're way better. And maybe that matters because you have to be thinking, right? Okay, Miami, the way that they play football, they, they don't run the ball well. Right? Their defense is banged up and they haven't been good all year. What they do is they put a lot of stress on you with this passing game. And like what does that look like when they have to go t- on the road in the playoffs to Kansas City, to Baltimore, to Tennessee, to Buffalo? No, I get it. I get it. I don't. I don't disagree. I just think. I think the 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 number of teams that are going to be interested is going to be through the roof. How did we break out into a Miami Dolphins conversation here on a without Monday Kyle. without Kyle. without Kyle? It's it's unbelievable. It's it's time to go. <laughs> it's time to go. All right, Joe. It's you, time. You do, do the thing, Joe. Do the thing. <laughs> it's time to go. Uh, I guess Kyle's back tomorrow. We'll see. We'll see if he can start a new attendance streak. Right now, I'm the current leader in the clubhouse for consecutive shows. Yes, made, you are. So, uh, yes, you are. Would, big you know i'm gonna i'm gonna take the crown uh for now uh you're number two uh kyle's in last place so the the reverse order of two truths and a lie but a big shout out to our friends over at bet online for the continued support of the show we'll be back again for you tomorrow thanks so much for joining us thanks for being here for another episode of the draft dudes podcast be sure to subscribe so you don't miss the next episode while you are at it help the dudes out by leaving a rating and review Want more? Head over to www.thedraftnetwork.com or follow us at The Draft Network on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.